Thank you, David. And uh, hopefully everybody can see and hear me clearly. Um, tonight I want to speak on the most famous verse in the Bible. And I'm uh, wondering what you're thinking, what that verse might be. Back when I was younger, um, I'm going to age myself here, where uh, if someone were to say that to somebody who didn't know the Bible very well, they would say the most common verse that they knew in the Bible was the Lord's Prayer. Because when I was in school, every morning before the day started, uh, up to about grade seven, we said the Lord's Prayer. Unfortunately, that's not the case anymore. But I'm thinking of a different verse than the Lord's Prayer. I'm thinking of John 3.16. So let's turn to John 3.16. And it is a very a famous verse. It's a verse that uh, many people know about, maybe don't know what it says or what the truth is in it. So that's what I want to convey to you tonight. Um, another reason why it might be so famous is because of our uh, a famous quarterback in football is Tim Tebow. Um, it was when he was playing the Spitz, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, he was uh, he threw 316 yards for that game and his average per um I don't know my football terms here. His uh, average 31.6 yards per completion in that game. It wasn't until the next, uh, I think, championship game after that that he wore John 316 on his, underneath his eyes in the black uh, parts there under his eyes when he was playing the game. During that day, it was on a Saturday, I believe, um, John 316 was Googled 90 million times. I thought that was very interesting that people were desiring to know what John 3.16 is all about. But that's not really the reason why John 3.16 is so famous. It's such a, a wonderful verse. And so let's read it and let's talk about the truths that are in it. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's worth repeating. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Um, think of this statement uh, that was said on July 20th, 1969. The statement was, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Why is that such a, a, a very good well, I think you know who said it. it was Neil Armstrong. And there's a couple of reasons why that statement was so powerful. It's because of who said it, but ultimately it's because of where he was when he said it. Um, he was taking a step onto the moon. And uh, as he took that step onto the moon, he could say one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And it gave so much purpose, so much meaning to that statement. It wasn't just a simple statement someone said. But it had meaning. It had depth to it. Well, the same thing is true of John 3.16. See, John 3.16 is said by the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've got to think about this for a moment. Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? He's the one who said it. So then why does it have so much meaning, so much depth to it? It's because of who he is. He is the son of God. He is the one who is the creator of all things. He also maintains everything. He's the one that gives you breath. He's the one who's put this existence into place, the universe. He sustains it all. That's who he is. He is God himself. Now, what makes it even more amazing is that verse tells us that where he was when he said it. He was on this earth when he said it. 
So he is God saying it on this earth. And for him to say it on this earth, he had to become like us. He had to become like his own creation. So that's what gives so much meaning to this verse is because who said it and where he was when he said it. So I want you to remember that when it comes to this verse. The Lord Jesus Christ, fully God, yet fully man, existing on this earth for the purpose of displaying God's love to you and I. That is what this verse is all about. I just want to consider four things about this verse tonight. Um, the very first thing is God so loved you. Um, emphasizing the little word so, for God so loved you. The, the second thing I want to focus in on is God's proof of this love, that he gave his only begotten son, his only unique son. That is the proof of his love. It's always nice to have proof of love, doesn't it? Um, we could easily say to someone, I love you. But when we show it with our actions, with our way we behave, the way we act around them, it is a reassuring to them. It's not just words, but it is actually actions. And that's what God did. God could say, I love you. And it would be, uh, be wonderful to hear those words. It is wonderful to hear those words. But he went further than that, and he went to the point of displaying and showing you how much he loves you. Fourthly, I want to talk about your response to God's love. You see, in this verse, there's one of two responses. That's it. Either you accept his love through the Lord Jesus Christ, or you reject his love. It's, it's one or the other. And then fourthly, I want to talk about possession that you could have if you accept his love. The possession that you can have. So let's talk about the very first one. God so loved the world. I'm going to make this very personal tonight. For God so loved you. That's what God wants you to understand. This is a personal message. Yes, it is true that God loves everyone in the world. No matter where they are from, what condition they're in, or their past. It doesn't matter. God loves them all. But I want you to focus in on you tonight. And understand this, that God loves you. You might say, why? I don't, I'm not very lovable. I, I've got sin in the past, or I, I have these mistakes I have made, or I, I'm, I'm not the person I should be. How could God ever love me? Well, it is true. God does love you. You see, sometimes people think of God different ways. They, they, they think of him as a, as a one that wants to just reach out in judgment. There's this game. Um, uh, it's a game you get on your phone. It's called Pocket God. And this is what it says. It says, Play pocket God and discover the answer within yourself. On a remote island, you are the all-powerful God that rules over the islanders. You can bring new life, and then you can take it away just as quickly. Exercise your powers on the islanders. Lift them in the air, alter gravity, hit them with lightning. You're the island God. I thought that's interesting is that the fact is you're the island God. Therefore, let's take it the evil way. Let's take it the wicked way. But that's not who God is. Oh, yes, God must judge sin. There's no question about that. It's because he's holy. But God loves. And he loves so much. It's not the fact that his love has got to a certain point where it ends. No, he loves and he continues to love. That little word so tells us an awful lot. The very first thing it tells us about this love is that God's love is unconditional. It's unconditional. 
It does not mean, it means that I can't understand it. I cannot understand how much God loves me because he loves me unconditionally. He doesn't love me because of my good behavior. He doesn't love me because I give a certain amount of money or I send a, attend a certain church. He doesn't love me for those conditions. It's not conditional love. It is unconditional love. Other thing about it is it's unspeakable love. I'm attempting tonight to explain to you God's love for you, but I'm going to tell you right up front, I'm going to fail because I cannot put words to describe God's love. It's impossible to try and put words together to describe how much God loves you. Not only is it unspeakable, but it's unmatchable. There is no one else. And I, I hope you have someone in your life that loves you. And I, I, I maybe got your parents, your siblings, your spouse. Whatever it might be, you've got ones around you that love you, and that's great. We need that. But God's love steps far above anyone else's love for you. And this is such an awesome truth. And this is why we cannot understand fully God's love. And this is why those of us who are saved are going to enter into eternity, and we're going to spend eternity with God and the Lord Jesus Christ and on, and learn more about this love on a continual basis. It'll never be exhausted. That's why I can't fully understand it now, but it doesn't mean I change the truth of it. The truth of it is still foundational. It's still solid. God loves you. But God just didn't stop there with the fact of saying, I love you. He went further. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You see, God followed through with actions. Why don't you just take a moment to think about that? What it must have been from heaven's perspective, from the angels' perspective. Because the angels, you know what the angels did when Jesus was in heaven? You know what they did? They circled his throne. They served him continually. They did not slow down. Every ounce of energy they had was to proclaim the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, through, through all of heaven. That was their existence. And then the moment came when Jesus left heaven and came to this earth and took upon himself the name Jesus. And the angels watched. What have us been like for the angels to watch? As the one that they worshipped and adored and served stepped out of that realm and stepped into earth now to serve mankind think about that the angels served him now jesus is going to serve mankind his own creation and that involved not just the manger where jesus was when he was born but that involved the cross and the extent of this where the lord jesus christ he was on the cross and the ultimate display, the ultimate act of compassion was revealed. It was revealed to all those around, but they didn't understand it. They actually rejected him completely. No one was, no one was around there for him. And the angels in heaven, you had to wonder as this, this um, ultimate act of compassion was revealed. God was convincing man once and for all that he loves him so much that he gave his only begotten son. And then Jesus on the cross cried, it is finished. And the display of God's love was all done in splendor. And now his creation, his creatures, 
mankind, you and I, can come home. That's the love of God. Remarkable that this love includes sinners. Yes, we are sinners in the presence of God. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Romans 5, it says God commended or God displayed his love toward us. Even though we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Even though we're still sinners. See, it was that verse that I saw as a young boy of eight years old. And I saw that verse and I understood for the first time, I'm the sinner. I'm the sinner that God loves. And I'm the sinner that Christ died for. You see, God's love includes sinners, even the worst of sinners. And there is no really the best of sinners. It includes everyone. And the wonderful truth, it includes you. God's love is all-inclusive and includes you. But God's love involved the sacrifice of his son. There's a story told of a, of a woman. Um, she was an older lady and she was on her deathbed and not doing well. She's getting to the point of death. And her husband and her son did not get along for many years. And actually, during the time she was in the hospital, um, her son would visit her separately from when her dad was there, his dad was there. And then the dad would come separately from when the son was there. They couldn't even be in the same room together. And this dear woman, she felt that her time was coming when her life was going to end. And so she asked her son, she says, can you be here at two o'clock tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon? And uh, he said, absolutely, mom, for sure, I'll be here. And then her husband came in a little bit later after her son had left. And she asked her husband, can you be here tomorrow afternoon at two o'clock? She's getting very weak and frail. And he said, absolutely, dear, I'll be here. No problem. Two o'clock came. Her husband was already there. The son comes and stands at the entrance of that room and stands there and did not want to enter that room because his dad was there. They couldn't stand each other. But with a weak little hand, she reached out her hand and beckoned him to come and say, please, please come. And she took her son's hand on this side. And she took her husband's hand on this side. And she, with all of her strength that she had left in her, she brought those two hands together and put them in between hers. And grasped them. And held them there. The story is told that as she was doing that, she passed away. And there were two individuals that couldn't, there was great separation, yet they were brought together. Why? Because of a woman who died. Can I explain this very carefully? That you are separated from God, although this is not God's fault. He is perfect. He is holy. But because of your sin and because of my sin, I'm no different than you are. We have been separated. And there is a large separation between myself and God, between you and God. And it is our sin that is in the middle. It is our fault of the separation. 
But Jesus Christ comes into this picture of God and you separated. And he comes into the middle and he becomes the mediator. How does he become the mediator? By putting his arms out on the cross and being nailed to the cross. And he brings man to God. How does he do that? He takes the punishment of man at the hands of God. See, God cannot ignore sin. He cannot ignore the punishment that we does sin deserves punishment, eternal punishment. And in the darkness at the cross, God laid on him the iniquity or the sins of us all. See, Jesus was punished for me, and it satisfied God. And since it satisfied God, Jesus, through Jesus, being the mediator, can bring myself to God. And that's what happened to me when I was about eight years old. And it could happen to you. It could happen to you tonight if you could come to understand and accept the simple truth of what this verse says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave so much. He gave it all at the cross to proclaim his love. Can I just picture that now, Lord Jesus Christ on the cross and all of his agony and pain and sorrow, crying out. I can just picture it if I was there saying just directly to me, I love you. This is how much I love you. God is crying out to you tonight, too. He loves you. Now, my third point is this. God's love demands a response. What will be your response? What does the verse say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall shall not perish but have eternal life. So there's two options. Accepting God's love or rejecting God's love. If you accept God's love, you receive eternal life. That is with him forever. If you reject God's love through the cross, then you will perish in eternal death. And so it comes down to you responding to this love. God has done all the work. And he's asking you to respond. Do you respond with saying, well, I'm going to be a good person. If I'm a good person. No, we've already cleared that up right at the beginning, right? God's love is unconditional. We cannot merit God's love. Well, then do I have to attend a church? Do I have to certain? No, there's nothing you can do. Well, then why does the Bible say I have to believe? Well, believing is not a work. Believing is a response to God's love of accepting it for yourself. It's agreeing with God saying, yes, God, I am the sinner that you love, that Jesus Christ died for, was punished for for me. I agree with that. It's like the check mark beside the math problem. I agree. You are right. God is right. And he is the one I will accept. There was a man that was coming to some meetings that uh, Marvin Dirksen and I were having in a little town called Fedford. He was in his uh, um, late 80s, 90s, and early 90s maybe, and his name was Bob. And uh, he came a few nights. Uh, he wasn't the greatest health, but he came a few nights to these tent meetings that we were having. And uh, on the very last night, it was July 1st, the very last night of the meetings, we uh, <clears throat> had him and we, um, uh, Marvin gave him a ride home. 
As Marvin was going to ride home, we stopped at his house, at his place where he's staying, senior's home. And uh, Marvin was talking to him about the gospel message. And what do you think about these gospel messages? And, and Bob says, well, they give me a lot to think about. I, I think I need a little bit more time to think about it. And we'll, we'll have to see. Marvin says, well, I'm going to give you this illustration. If you're out in Lake Huron, that was a lake that we were near, and um, you were drowning and someone was there and they offered you a life ring, would you say to them, um, I, okay, I just, I need to think about this a little bit longer. Let me think about it. And then maybe I'll accept that. Bob says, no, no, I wouldn't think very long at all. I would just accept it because it's what I need. And Myron said, that's what you need to do with the gospel message. Bob went into his room and he got down on his knees and Bob was a religious man all his life involved in church, but he never accepted Christ. And in his own heart, he understood he was a sinner. And there in his room, he accepted Christ. That was July 9th. I mean, July 1st. July 7th or so, he had fell, broke his hip, had to have surgery. And July 9th, he passed away. Eight days after he was saved. See, he responded to the gospel, to God's love. Thankfully, he responded before his deadline happened. See, you, all of us, every one of us has a deadline. We don't know when it is. Some here might be listening. You're young. You're like, well, I've got time. I, I'm only in my, my, I'm only around 10 years old or, or I'm in my teens. And it, it's okay. I've got lots of time. Death is not a respecter of persons. Death doesn't decide, okay, it's only the old ones that die. I think we've learned this in the day we're living. You don't know when your deadline is happening, is coming. And it could come very soon. Are you ready? Are you ready for that deadline? You see, if you go past that deadline and you die without Christ, or Christ comes and you're not ready, well, then there is a penalty. There is consequences. And that's what our verse says. If you don't believe, you will perish. Word perish is an awful word, but it, it, it's, it's, it's the truth of the word. is that you will be lost forever. And not only is that, but it's no one else's fault. You can't get thrown and stand before Christ. Christ, where every sinner that has not accepted Christ will stand before him. And you can't say, well, you, you know, I didn't, I didn't. There'll be no excuses. I, I plead with you tonight just to consider the love of God that he has for you. The compassion, the ultimate act of compassion that happened at the cross. Where he gave himself and was punished for you. So that you can have eternal life. That's the last point. My fourth point is this. The possession that you can have is eternal life. Maybe you know, uh, you've heard of Gene Simmons. He's a, uh, a member of the band called Kiss, the rock band. He was asked this question. If you could have any superpower you wanted, what would it be? His immediate response was eternal life. Think about that. I, I just would love to sit down with Gene Simmons and say, Gene, you know what? You can have eternal life. You can have it now. And, it, and it, it's available through the cross. It's, it's a free gift. 
And wonderful thing about eternal life is it cannot be compared to anything. What is better than eternal life? You can't come up with anything. Anything on this earth is all going to vanish away. It's all going to pass away. Your house, your vehicles, your money, your your the, anything. Everything you have in this life is going to come to a point where it ends. But eternal life in the word itself tells us it's eternal. It's everlasting. It will not end. And the idea that it's life, it's not just the simple point of existence. No, it's the life, it is the joy, it is the peace, it is the, the essence of who God is and his love for all of eternity. This is so wonderful. It cannot be compared. Wonderful thing is it cannot be ruined. It can't be ruined. Anything I buy, like I got a vehicle that's at the point of death, and I still drive the thing, but it is rust bucket, it is falling apart. But one day it was new. I enjoyed it when it was new. But now, see, it just things is ruined. Things fall apart in this world. How many laptops have you gone through? Things just fall apart, but not eternal life. Eternal life never gets ruined. It never decays. It never becomes less in value. It actually increases in value. Eternal life is what you can have right now. By responding to God's love and accepting him. Not only that, but eternal life is we have laid this foundation. I'm going to lay it again. It cannot be earned. You cannot earn heaven. If you could earn heaven, then you'd have to ask the question, why did Jesus come to this earth and die on the cross? Die on the cross so that he could provide eternal life for us. And it cannot be earned. Oh, I like this one. It cannot be stolen. Yes, I have eternal life, and the devil can't even touch it. He cannot take it from me. I'm secure in Christ. See, Christ is the one who's finished the work of Calvary. He's the one who satisfied God. And because he satisfied God, God is satisfied. Therefore, I'm secure in him. And it gives me security. Do you want the possession of eternal life? It's a gift. It's free. Oh, I didn't cost it wasn't free to god cost god a lot cost god his son to die on the cross but it's free to you and i there is this i'll just close with this illustration there is this young girl 14 year old girl her name's laura she was on a, a cruise and uh they're cruising i think it was a, a two week long cruise so they're out in the middle of the ocean and um as she was enjoying her cruise she started to have some pain in her side so finally, she went to visit the doctor, uh, well, the nurse. I think they have a nurse. They didn't have a doctor on, on board. They had a nurse. And she went to visit the nurse. And the nurse looked at it and tried to feel around. And she said, this isn't good. And the pain was getting worse and worse. And it was her appendix. And unfortunately, her appendix burst. And when that happens, it's, it's very, very dangerous. They could not do the surgery on the ship. So they sent out a distress call saying, we need uh, the closest, where's the closest uh, a hospital? We need help. And the message came and the message came to the aircraft carrier, the USS Ronald Reagan. And that aircraft carrier, it was 500 miles away. They turned, they, they stopped, they were doing a, some uh, activity there and uh, some training and they stopped the ship. They turned the ship around and they traveled 250 miles all through the night at full steam. And then they got close enough 
so that they could send a helicopter out. And the helicopter went over to that cruise ship, picked up Laura, brought her back to the aircraft carrier, took her down to where they had a doctor and a room for surgery. And the doctor did surgery and saved her life, sent her back to the cruise ship and the U.S. USS Ronald Reagan aircraft carrier turned around, went back the other way. Do you know what it cost to do that? One night, turn that ship around and just make it go 250 miles out of its direction? $2.5 million. What do you think the U.S. government did? Send a bill for $2.5 million to Laura's family? Even if they did, they, they, uh, we couldn't pay that. And nothing. You can't pay that. No. The U.S. government decided that this little girl's life was worth saving. And it was free. They didn't do it. Pay a penny. Nothing. Absolutely free. Can I just relate that story to you and I? Jesus Christ left heaven. And he went to the extent to shed his blood on the cross for you. So that you can have eternal life for free. I pray that your response will be one that will accept what Jesus Christ has done for you. And I trust that this verse, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, that this verse will be a verse for you tonight.